DJ Carlissimo just dropped a Norm Van Leer, a golf, and a pasta reference. So we won't take much time off the top to getting to that. This is Round Ball Roundup on utahjazz.com. I'm JP Chunga. We're going to continue to give you the news of the jazz, like Rudy Gobert landing himself on the all-defensive first team for the fourth time in his career. That's a franchise record. And we'll also get into what the offseason looks like. Justin Zanuck and Dennis Lindsay spoke to the media last week, and I can recap that, but what's better? Let's hear from the man himself. We'll have Justin Zanuck back on the podcast to discuss the offseason plans, what the draft is going to look like, when are the draft dates? How do you work on your job when you have no idea when the next game's going to be played? We'll figure that out with Justin Zanuck as he becomes a returning champion on Round Ball Roundup. The jazz news doesn't stop, and it continues with playoff discussion. I don't know about you, but I've chosen heat culture as the team that I'm adopting. I, too, get tested for my body fat every time I enter the podcast studio. I'm diving on the floor for loose microphones. In Riley, we trust. There's still good stuff surrounding this team, and I'll continue to talk to my media friends, the people who I know about their journeys into this, how they got into basketball. I'm sure we'll catch up with Noah Eagle at some point. He's the radio voice of the L.A. Clippers. There's plenty to talk about in the offseason, and we're coming at you weekly, so don't worry. Subscribe, like, review, five stars. That's all I ask of you. So let's talk to P.J. Carlissimo, longtime coach in college and the NBA. He's the analyst over at ESPN Radio, works with Mark Kestisher, and we got into not only remember some guys, but how the Jazz looked in the bubble, how it compares to the other teams. Looking at the playoffs, he gives his thoughts on Game 7 and the Eastern Conference Finals, which are due up to start on Tuesday. Plenty of discussion about that and how P.J. added to a good streak that happened back at the Delta Center. That and more. Listen to Coach P.J. Carlissimo. On round ball roundup. It's good, KP. Everything's uh, really good, to be honest with you. It's uh, other than being isolated and being here for a long time. The uh, the accommodations are really good. Obviously, the uh, the arenas where the players are are working at, and the level of basketball has been great. So it's been uh, other than being away from the family, it's been very enjoyable. Who's been uh, keeping up with you on the golf course from the media side? Anybody that can play at all can. <laughs> do better than keep up with me, so it's uh, it's not hard to keep up with me. The two uh, the two studs in the uh, broadcasting world are Brian Anderson and uh, Mike Breen. The two of them can really play. So I wonder actually how they can be as prepared as they are for their broadcast when they play as much golf as they do. But they're uh, they're both uh, really close friends and and really really good golfers. I guess you could call that prep on the golf course for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It relaxes them for the game. What do you make of what we saw from the Jazz in the bubble? Well, it was, I mean, just it was a matchup you knew from the beginning. It was probably the best matchup, uh, and it was uh, arguably one of the most entertaining series, too. There, in one sense, it was a couple of one-sided games, but it was still really good basketball, and it was great individual play. So um, I think most people would say it was the best series of the first. Maybe um, I put Boston-Toronto um, in, in the second round with it. And he, I think better than Clippers, uh, Denver, to be honest with you. But I, 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 we knew, or most people felt going in, 
it was going to be a coin flip, and uh, you know, we, it would be hard for either team to get away from the other one, and it, it turned out that way. I mean, what was it? I think the final, the game seven was a two-point game, if I remember, but um, and it was atypical because it was such a high-scoring series before game seven. But um, you got two extremely well-coached teams, two teams with talented young players, um, two teams who can play on both ends of the floor. It was, uh, you know, it was a great series. I'm sure. You know, Quinn and, and uh, the Utah players, I'm sure, were, were disappointed because they're, they're good enough to, to they can play with anybody in the West. Um, it was just it was a, it was a tough matchup, and uh, Denver's showing just how good they are right now. I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're taking the, the Clippers to seven, and uh, the way the last two games went, they've got they've got as good or better shot than the, than the Clippers in Game Seven. So um, I was impressed. I mean, it, it's funny. Michael Conley missing the first two games. Um, I know you split them, but I mean, you know, when you get in a, a seven-game series that's decided by as few points, you wonder, hey, you know, if, if Michael had been able to play, obviously, not being there was for a really good reason. But I mean, that's how close the series it was. You look at it, and uh, you know, and that's not even talking about you know Boyan not being there. There's nobody that that, that didn't have a 20-point score. You're talking one of the best players in the league, one of the best scorers in the league. You take him off a roster. And to do as well as they did, to me, was really impressive, honestly. I, I, I thought um, the, the, the team and Quinn and his staff did an excellent job. But you, you, can't, you don't make up for that. You say, okay, we're, we're missing, you know, a starter and one of our best offensive weapons. Um, you know, everybody else step up. I know it's always next man up, but come on. Um, that was, a, that was a, you know, just very unfortunate uh, and put a, a tough ending on, you know, who knows what could have happened uh, if he's here and he's healthy. Well, and that was the huge question going in. Who's going to replace those 20 points per game? It seemed as if Donovan took a little bit of a step Donovan, up. Donovan replaced most of it by himself, but still, uh, it was, uh, I mean, he, you know, he was magnificent, the, you know, watching Ian and Jamal go at each other and just watching the games. I think we did two of the games ourselves, um, but, you know, saw the other ones when you're here. That, that's the best thing about being here. I mean, it particularly – during the seeding games and in the first round, I mean, it were games all day. You could just, you know, do nothing but watch good basketball. And um, I, I was really impressed. You, you can't change, you know, you can't change what was, but that was, a, you know, a, a really tough break. But, uh, you know, I think hopefully he's going to be fine for the future. And, and, you know, he's already established how well he fits in with the other players. So, I mean, I, I think it's, a, you know, Jordan was a good addition also. So um, I, I like where the Jazz are at, where they're positioned for next year, because the West is only getting better. It's not, the West isn't going the other way. The West is such a, such a bear to play in that conference. I mean, you know, all but one year that I was in the league coaching, uh, it was always in the Western Conference, and it's uh, – it's just very, very difficult. I don't know. You know, the fans there are used to it because those are the teams they see all the time. But you don't appreciate the difference between the two conferences. Um, there's some really good teams in the East, don't get me wrong, but there's not near the depth in the East um, that you have in the West. So, I mean, every night you play, whether you're home or on the road uh, in the Western Conference, the game is uh, the game is really challenging. What's the trajectory for a player like Donovan Mitchell in this league? Well, he's like there's a, there's a number of guys um, I, I put with him, I, and I don't mean to say they're all equal, but 
Um, he's he's really only got one more step to go. And and to me, I, I know he's he, you know there's a lot of things that that I'm sure he wants to improve on. I'm sure there's a lot of things that that Quinn and the and the coaches, particularly the player development guys, uh, are working with him on. But um, I mean the, the 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 next step, the only next step for uh, for Donovan. Uh, is the experience step, which obviously he's acquiring, and then just uh, success in the playoffs. I mean, you hate to say it, but that's what the league measures the really elite players by. Um, and even the LeBron, if you think back, remember in, in the early years when LeBron was still playing out of his mind, but he didn't have rings, and, you know, they would say, well, people would say, well, you know, how does he compare to Michael or how does he compare to, you know, any other great players? And I said, well, he doesn't have any rings. Um, and, you know, that's, that's going to be the team's success does Donovan have room to improve? Of course he does. He'd be the first to tell you that. But um, team success and playoff success um, is is the is the next step, and that, that with that will come you know all the rec- recognition. I mean you, you know All Star and All NBA and things like that. If you look at it, they're almost always a direct reflection of of team success. It's very very hard for young players um, to get that kind of recognition um, w- without some uh, significant playoff success. And he's already established what he can do in the playoffs. There's no question about that. But I just think that I think that next step is, you know, it's going to come. It, it, there's no question about that. Saw some of the skills last year during the FIBA World Cup. How did his game translate to the international level? He played very well. I was actually over there for uh, three weeks with Pop. I was not working on the staff, but I was over, I was in China for the latter part. I was there for the beginning of the trip in uh, Las Vegas, and then the uh, the latter part of the trip over there, I, I think very, very well because he's, you know, he's strong. Uh, you know, he can handle the way they they let you play in, in international ball, and he's versatile enough in terms of being able to shoot it outside or being strong enough to go inside and play and being able to play against um, sometimes bigger players. Um, you know, oftentimes you'll play against a really big roster. They may not have the athleticism of some of our teams, but it's like there's incredible size and strength over there. And Donovan's game transferred very, very well. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he was – that team was such a young team, and they were so basically lacking in international experience. And then when they had the injuries, I mean, I still if, – if Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart are playing at the end, um, they might they might have won the whole thing. I mean, the team was – you know, it, it was – the margin for error with that team was very, very narrow. And as soon as they had the injuries, that was when they were playing the best teams, and it just they couldn't overcome it. But I mean, you know, you know very well. You, people are watching; they're they're still playing. You watch uh, uh, Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart right now playing for uh, for Boston, and how well they're playing. You just can't take guys off the team um, that, that that contribute on both ends. That you know, Marcus great defense, and you know he's improved so much offensively. And uh, JT's one of the better young players in the league himself, so uh, I think that was the big that was the the biggest thing that hurt them uh, when they got you know forget the inexperience they were able to overcome that in the early rounds but when they once they got to the quarterfinals and they're playing the best teams uh, um, they could just couldn't play without the injuries I mean you know similar to what happened with you guys here without Boyan I mean you can only do so much you can't take that significant a piece off a roster and say, well, good, we can, we can compete with the best teams in the world. That's just not, you know, when you're playing Serbia and France and uh, Spain and teams like that, you better have all, you know, when we had our, you know, the, the senior team, you know, the older guys, when they play, they got their hands full with those teams. 
So when you've got a, a basically very young and inexperienced team, um, the margin for error just wasn't there. Well, and I'm sure for Donovan, this adversity, having uh, the struggles in last year's playoffs to see how it translated to this, could go a long way to, to helping him improve when it comes to his I don't think there's any USA. question. You, you learn, that's the experience that comes. You can't, you can't rush that. All you can do is acquire experience. Uh, the, the more playoffs you're in, the more years you're in this league, um, the, the more you learn about, you know, about your opponents, about how to play, about, you know, what works, what doesn't work uh, in the playoffs. You can see that difference just in, in a year. Um, you know, forget, um, you know, his youth and, and uh, you know, relatively speaking, how, how, how long he's been in the league. I mean, you know, you're talking two or three years in the league. That's very, very little. I mean, th- there are some people forget there are some like truly great players that haven't didn't accomplish anything remotely like what Donovan's already accomplished in the league so he's ahead he's way ahead of schedule in my mind I I know you know the only schedule that jazz fans care about is now let's win now you know let's advance in the playoffs let's win a championship but uh you know sitting back and looking where he's at for three years, uh, you know, you have to be, you got to be pleased. And I think, you know, Dennis and, and Justin, you know, those guys know that because they have the experience that comes from having watched other players and, and nobody knows it better than, than Quinn. Taking a look at the Jazz's other star, I try to explain to people how much Rudy Gobert does, how much he impacts the game. From your perspective, what do you see when he's out there on the floor detracting attacks to the basket how impactful is it go bear it makes a huge difference i mean it was it was one of the problems when we play france a team like that is that's what it is it's rudy just changes the game the game it's a totally different game uh when you have a rudy gobert and there are very few like him you're talking you know obviously a defensive player of the year multiple um he just he changes the game he changes what you can do in the paint he changes the, the way you, you're going to call plays. There's certain things you're, you're going to say, like, well, we're rolling or doing this or doing that. We're going to have trouble getting that tonight just because of Rudy. Uh, and, and it's not just the shot block. And it, it's also it's just it's the presence. Um, it's the protection. It's the, the, the defensive rebounds. I'm not even talking his improvement on the other end and, and, and what, you know, what he can do offensively. But just the way he, by being on the floor and when you get ready to play the Jazz or when you get ready to play France – it's different. You know it's going to be different. I mean, you know, everybody, you know, the obvious extreme to that is like a team like Houston that once, you know, they, they took Capella out of the mix and decided to go to strong ball. Well, everybody can play differently against Houston then. Uh, when when you have a guy who's that great, a defensive player anchoring your defense, um, it's literally night and day. So, I mean, it would be, be hard to overstate uh, the value that, that Rudy brings to the Jazz. What would you make of the battle between Jokic and Gobert? A little bit of throwback, having bigs also being featured in into what we were watching. Yeah, it's it, it is, and it's. Uh, I frankly like it. I mean, I, I was lucky. I, I always was involved, even going back to college, uh, in in college when we were trying to battle Syracuse over the years. We always had a couple of bigs on the floor. I was lucky. I had bigs in Portland, and um, the years when I worked with Pop in San Antonio, we all. I mean, we always had two of the best bigs in the whole. Uh, in the history of the NBA, so I still like that, and I, you know, to watch those two go at it, and, and you know, I mean, they've they've gone at it internationally, they've gone at it now in the league. 
Um, it, it's just it's a great great matchup. It really is. You're talking two of the best, uh, without question, two of the best bigs in the in the entire NBA. And the, and again, it's that you know speaks to the NBA, the international. Uh, the Jazz team, you know, certainly has uh, a strong international flavor right now. But to watch uh, Nikola and, and Rudy play against each other is is great. Is great basketball. That international flavor, a little bit of Joe Ingles. You're familiar with some Australians, Andrew Gaze. Yep. What do you make of what Quinn's doing, influencing all those international principles, having coached out there, to what they're doing now in the NBA? Well, I, I think Quinn, because of his experience, uh, you know, has taken work, working uh, with that DeRay and, you know, having coached uh, Rush and, uh, you know, all the experience Quinn has had, he's taken the, he's taken the best elements of that game and uh, also the way he's featuring you know, a, a couple of the international players, it's it's great. And, uh, you know, the Spurs were kind of ahead of the curve with that. And, and I think I think Quinn knew it anyhow. But, I mean, his, you know, his and Dennis's Spur background, and uh, it's not like the Spurs are the only one that, that, that knew that. But I think that um, scouting as much as the Jazz have done, uh, particularly, you know, go, go back to, you know, Kevin and, and uh, Dennis and Justin uh, over the years, um, they've they've done really well with that, but uh, you need to you need to know how to utilize those players. The players are you know they play a little bit different, uh, and Quinn understands that, and I think the success he's had with those players uh, is reflected by how he uses them and and the style. But I, I think the players love the style. That that's the thing that that's most important. The uh, you know the players nowadays like to play that way, which is which is really important. Not not everybody can coach that way. Well, and the biggest influence on international basketball has to be another team that you were involved with, the Dream Team. Looking at the Jazz players who were on that squad, how did John and Carl stand out? Well, the, the John and Carl, it was funny. Some of the players on the team I knew very, very well going in. Um, you know, the Big East players like a Patrick Ewing or a Chris Mullen, uh, Michael and, and Pip. I knew some other guys, Charles, from Nike. So I, I had even I was a college coach at the time. I was still at Seton Hall. Uh, and I spent 23 years in college, and two of the players, the three players I probably knew the least going in to the Dream Team were John and Carl and Larry Bird, uh, because I hadn't crossed with them, you know, either through Nike or having coached against them in college or, um, you know, coached them internationally on any of the USA teams I coached. Um, without question, one of the best things from that summer, and, you know, there'll, there'll never be another summer like that for me where, you know, you could probably, I don't know how long it lasted, maybe two months plus, um, it, you know, it was the best basketball experience and, in a lot of ways, the best cultural experience of my life. But getting to know and become friends with both John and Carl is two of the highlights of the whole thing. I mean, I still, uh, you know, see see those guys a lot. I talk to them. I live in Seattle, so I'm closer to John. I do Gonzaga games, and uh, I'm up there a lot. But, I mean, to, to get to know them and their families, uh, you know, I mean, I, I knew a lot of the kids when they were like little guys now. And, you know, when I do games and David Stockton's playing and stuff, like I, like I literally have pictures of, of John and Nada and, and Carl. You know, we're over there uh, in Barcelona or in Monte Carlo. And um, the, the privilege of getting to know those guys was fantastic. Now, it was tempered. I didn't like them nearly as much when I was coached against them, when I was in Portland <laughs> and when I was at 
Golden State and, and Seattle, uh, and San Antonio, excuse me, it wasn't as much fun. But uh, honestly, you, you know, as you well know, um, the reason the statues are outside the building, uh, you, you're talking literally two of the best players to ever play the game, but also two of the best people. That, that was always the thing that Jerry Sloan's teams, and, and I had, you know, I would, if it was a year where we either got beaten in the playoffs or after I got fired somewhere along the way, I would go to training camp. And I, I remember going, I called Sloaney up one of the years, and I said, hey, can I come down and watch your training camp? And uh, I used to have, if Carl was in town, you know, in the old days before the Vegas Summer League, the best summer league in the league was Utah Summer League by far. I mean, that was the one you went to, particularly if you were a Western team. So when I was in Portland, when I was in Golden State, we played in the Utah Summer League every year. And I'd come, and if, if Carl was there working out, I would love to take our young guys, or if I had a, a veteran big that I thought needed to work a little bit more on his game in the off season or spend more time in the weight room, all I'd have to do is, is you know, bring them in. I'd find out when Carl was working out, and I'd go, you know, let's go to the weight room today, and you know, like did like their eyes would be bugging out of their head watching Carl. And I'd say, yeah, that's that's my Carl Malone is who he is. Um, and so those friendships, I mean, those, I love those two guys. They're they're two of the best. I I, I don't joke about. It. I, I hated playing against them. They beat us in a game five, uh, one of my, my my second year in the league, I think. Uh, I'm at Portland, and we had never. I inherited even, and as you know, all the success Rick Adelman had. I inherited a long losing streak. We had lost a whole bunch of games and it was called the Delta Center. I added to that losing streak, and uh, we lost uh, we lost games one and two. It was, it was when the first round used to be five, and we lost one and two in uh, Salt Lake City, and we won three and four in Portland, and we came back for a game five. It was when NBC used to do the uh, – had the, the uh, contract on Sunday afternoon. It was a game five, so we, we were the feature game. And I think the Jazz beat us by about 100 for – a lot of years, it was the worst playoff loss ever, and unfortunately, somebody else got beat. I forget who it was. Somebody got beat worse than us and got us out of the record book for the worst loss ever at a on a playoff game. But um, it was such a it was all it was always a great place to play, but obviously a very very difficult place. And even San Antonio, when we had the, like fantastic rivalries um, for either 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 team to win and the other and the other guy's building was really an achievement. And you knew how hard Sloney's teams were going to play. And the main reason for that, uh, in addition to, to Jerry and, you know, the fact that he demanded it, was his two best players played harder than anybody. When your two best players uh, work as hard as John and Carl worked, to, you know, forget if everything's have a way of taking care of themselves. We lost Jerry this year. What made him different as a coach in this league? Because he wasn't, first of all, he, he had no airs about him. He was he was very comfortable in who he was. He didn't pretend to be something he wasn't. Um, he, what you saw was what you got, and that was about as good as it was. I mean, I remember Jerry when he played for Evansville. So, I mean, I, like I go way back, and Evansville, and then when he was with the Bulls, and he never changed, and his teams were the same way. They just came at you. They executed. It wasn't that they, you know, uh, tricked you or anything like that. They just beat you by playing fundamental, sound basketball the way it was supposed to be played. They didn't beat themselves. Uh, and he was a gentleman. Um, I used to love to go into me the media dining room before the games when I was either coaching or later on when I was broadcasting. I'd love to go in there and uh, sit down with him or Phil or Gordy Chase or the, you know, the, the, all the guys who, who worked with him. Um, he, he just was uh, – 
He was a phenomenal coach. He was an unbelievable competitor. His teams were always well prepared. And but with all of that, he was just he was a great gentleman. So it was, uh, you know, it was really. Uh, I used to look forward, even you know, the last couple of years when Jerry's health wasn't the same. I used to just love to be able to to see him, you know, once in a while and go over and say hello and give him a hug. I mean, he was. Uh, Great, obviously great for Utah Jazz basketball, but he was great for basketball, period. And it's so ironic, his career, maybe as a coach more known for the offense, but as the original Bull, just a defensive bulldog when he played. I got news for you. He and Norm Van Leer, if you played against that backcourt, you better lace it up and you better be ready. Uh, They were unbelievable, Uh, unbelievable competitors, great, great players. Looking at the games that are happening right now in the bubble, is Denver allowed to play an unentertaining series? I tell you what, it's it's amazing. Um, I stopped. It's funny, Doris Burke, who uh, obviously is one of our analysts, and she'll have. I'm trying to think of which. I'm not sure whether she's got that game or the Boston uh, game uh, tomorrow. But she just came back because her daughter just got married, and she came back and she said, "I didn't see." The second half of Game Six, I said, "Well, I got news for you. <laughs> you miss something. Uh, you won't believe it. I mean, it's uh, like a replay. Uh, they're amazing. Uh, I, I didn't. I mean, and I, you know, I'm a believer. I, I like Michael Malone. I think obviously their team has played really well, and I thought that it was going to be a good game. But early third quarter, I don't care how many times they've done it. I'm saying, well, you know, that's the end of the line. They eventually." Um, you know, I, I think a team that has more talent um, w- was going to win it. And then what they did in the last whatever it was, 14 minutes or 18 minutes of the of the thing again. Now I'm, I have no clue. I'm so glad we're not doing that. We're doing the East. We're doing Game One, Boston Miami, um, and I'm glad because I would not want Kesty to ask me before the game, "What are you expecting?" Because I have no <laughs> idea what's going to happen in that game. And I guarantee you, Doc doesn't either. So it, it's going to be uh, it's going to be amazing. Uh, watching that one, and you know, they're again when you have you got young guys, uh, it, it, it's it's a little bit different, and uh, they they compete, and uh, the teams down here. I was really worried, honestly, coming in. I didn't know what it was going to be like because it, it's it's such unique uh, experience, and and what the players did uh, um, in terms of giving up and coming in here and buying into the way that the bubble was set up and, and what the NBA asked them to do. And after not playing for, what, three months plus, whatever it was, four months, I don't even know, it was so long, um, the level of basketball far exceeded what I, I thought eventually it would catch up. But, I mean, basically, even the seeding games, I mean, I, the quality was better than I thought, and the playoffs have been unbelievable. Uh, it, it's I'm, I'm doing games all the time, and sometimes the game will be over, and – We'll say uh, like that double over. We had the, we were lucky enough to have that double overtime uh, Boston Toronto game the other day, and I was saying like I, how how could that have been any better if there were people in the stand? I mean, yeah, I wish people were there. It would have been incredible. But you can't play harder than they played, you know. And, there, and there's nobody in the building, and they, you got guys that Toronto was even worse because they had to come in two weeks earlier uh, from from Canada. Toronto was here since June 22nd. Um, the Celtics, like everybody else, was here from the 7th or 8th. July 8th, they came down. So one team had been here 66 days. The other had been here 82, and they're playing a double overtime game with nobody in the building and playing, like I'm saying, like the level of basketball was fantastic. So 
um, the, the Jazz fans, as, as they always are, should really be proud of just the way the players came in and handled um, the situation and played at the level they did play. And um, Denver has not ceased to amaze me. Uh, it, it's incredible. And it's funny, every time their players do a post-game interview or something, somebody will say, like, well, this is your second uh, seven-game series in a row. And, and somebody will go, no, it's our fourth or it's our fifth or we're two last year. And I think that might, might have even been one the last time before that they were in. I mean, it's like uh, they think it's supposed to be a seven-game series. They don't understand that you can win in four before that. But um, it's uh, it's been great. It's been great for us, selfishly. But for the media, it's been tremendous. I can only imagine being a Denver fan having to suffer through five straight game sevens. That is pins and needles stuff. <laughs> How is it set up for whoever makes it through for the Lakers to get a little bit of this rest before the Western Conference finals well, start? it's interesting. It's going to be one of those uh, what's better for you. Um, you know, it's the Western Conference is going to start on Friday. So, you know, whoever wins is going to have uh, two days off, which is fine. You know, is it, enough time to kind of get it together. It's one more than everybody's used to. And the, and the Lakers are looking at a longer uh, time away. Um, it didn't work well for them in, in their last series. The Lakers were the rested team, um, and Houston had won two days before. I think uh, L.A. had five or six days rest, and Houston had two. And Houston came out in game one and just handled them. So you, you never know. In, in one of the other series, the team that was rested played really well, and the, and the other team didn't. The, 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 the Clipper series was the opposite. Um, the Clippers was the rested team, and and uh, Denver wasn't, and it looked that way in game one. So you don't know which way it's going to go. You mentioned that you have the Eastern Conference Finals. What can we expect from that side of the bracket? I think it's going to be a great series. I think Miami's playing as well as anybody. Um, they lost their first couple, but like they're probably their last five seeding games, and then they've, in the playoffs they've been unbelievable. I think if they have a loss, it's one loss. I mean, they've been they've been dominant. Um, they're playing in a really yeah. One, they lost one to Milwaukee. They swept the first round. Um, they're playing very very well. They have that combination, which is a nice combination of some talented young players that uh, suppose doesn't hesitate to put them out there at all. Very young guys. Duncan Robinson isn't as young in terms of years, but he certainly is in terms of experience. Tyler Hero very much so is. Bam is. Uh, but obviously the addition of Jimmy Butler just transformed that team. It's a it's a very different team. Eric, if you can win championships and <laughs> excuse me, be as successful as he's been for as long as he's been, is underrated as a coach. People just don't appreciate uh what an excellent coach he is. And uh you've got really talented players uh on the Boston side. You got guys taking that step that we talked about. Guys who were teammates of Donovan's as a matter of fact. Uh, there's a whole bunch of said so there's four guys on the Boston roster that were Donovan's teammates over in uh, in China. Uh, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, uh, Marcus Martin, Kemba Walker were all on that U.S. team uh, for Greg Popovich over in China, you know, with, with Donovan and against Rudy and all the other guys that, that played over there. So um, it, it's I think it's going to be a great series. I, I think the two of them will really go after each other. Um, they're both capable of scoring. They're also both capable of locking you up. I think that – you know, versatility is still the key here. The teams who can play at a real quick pace and also are good enough defensively that when you slow them down, they can, you know, execute in the half quarter or can, can beat you with their defense. So um, I think it'll be a, a great series. And, um, you know, for both of them, 
got an opportunity to, to get to a finals that, that uh, Miami's case has in both both those teams um, hasn't happened in a while. So they're going to be they're going to really be hungry. It's it's going to be both uh, both our conference finals are going to be very entertaining, regardless of whether it's Lakers Denver or Lakers Clippers in, in the East. Boston Miami is not going to disappoint. Can't wait to watch it, and you can listen to. Coach Carlissimo on the call for ESPN Radio. He's the longtime college and NBA coach. PJ Carlissimo with us on Round Ball Roundup on UtahJazz.com. Thank you so much for taking the time. Hey, P, great being with you. Thank you. Please say hello to. Uh, got a ton of friends, and uh, I want to come there so I can go to Walters. It's the it's the best best restaurant in the Western Conference. So uh, I, I want to come in and visit my buddy Walter. <laughs>